I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? Well, like everything that Keltec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun, and the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's six rounds in each tube plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three quarter inch shells, even better because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K E L. TECweapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. Investigations are still ongoing into the failures of Operation Odin Sword. The mission resulted in the death of 12 Navy SEALs. Lieutenant Commander James Reese, can you outline the details of your mission? They knew we were coming. According to audio logs, you went dark on comms roughly four mics in. Why? That's not how it went down. That's, I cannot wait for this series. And it premieres on Amazon Prime July 1st. Welcome back to the program. Joining me now, my friend... Retired Navy SEAL, best-selling author. Congratulations, by the way. And we're going to talk hey. about your 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 latest in your series, Jack Carr, everybody. And you can see him on Twitter, at Jack Carr USA. Find him on Instagram and elsewhere. So the series is The Terminalist. So this is the first book in his series on Commander James Reese. And then his new book, which just dropped, is In the Blood. And so we're. I'm just so excited. I haven't gotten to In the Blood yet. But I, I am so excited on this about this, and I. It doesn't matter if people are into like, um, whether it's like I don't know, like uh, war movies. I've had some people say, "Well, is it you know, is uh, asking like what's something comparable to it?" Because the action is so amazing. You, you write what you know, and you clearly know this so well that we are in every action sequence the dialogue is realistic it's like what people would actually say if they are you know hell is raining down on them um so congratulations on all of this i'm so excited for this series terminalist is the first one chris pratt stars first question are there plans to continue this and make a new series out of every book well we shall see so that's uh, not an answer Chris FaceTimed me the other day and I uh, wanted to talk about just that. So he's excited to do it, I know. And uh, he's actually excited for the latest book. He said it's his favorite one so far for In the Blood. Mm-hmm. So he's like, maybe we should do that one next. So, so that's so we'll awesome. See. I'm on yeah. Savage Sun right now. So Terminalist came out in 2018. Then you right. had uh, True Believer. That was 2019. You, I, you write, and these are not, can I just show people? These are not like little books. I mean, they're action-packed, great character development, because James Reese is, it's like, um, he reminds me of Charles Bronson, reminds me of um, Michael Douglas's character in Falling Down. He is just, uh, he is a brawl. He is a one-man bar brawl, and he is 
going to just beat the snot out of you. And he, I love it, but, but he's also vulnerable, too. He's just a great character. Uh, Devil's Hand, that came out 2021, and now you have In the Blood. Uh, so I'm, I can't wait to see all of this come in. So I need, to, I need to catch up to get to In the Blood. But this is such a, a great series. Tell me, when you started writing, because clearly you obviously are very talented at it, and I read an interview that you had given where you were discussing your, your military service, uh, Navy SEAL, and you've fought in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Did you always want to write? How did that factor into where did you think that that was going to happen and when and how? I did. And I, I, uh, I looked at serving the military and writing as two distinctly separate parts of my life. And I didn't know how, uh, how closely they would be related and complement one another as I moved from one into the other. But I grew up reading, surrounded by books. My mom was a librarian. Uh, my grandfather was killed in World War II. So I had this, uh, this desire to serve my country in uniform. I think it was just innate in me. But then seeing the pictures of him with his squadron as a Marine Corps aviator in World War II, uh, his medals, his wings, all those sort of things just kind of kind of sparked in me this uh, this desire like hey it can be done you can do anything you want in this country and my grandfather sacrificed himself along with so many others so that we can make our own decisions and take advantage of these options and opportunities that are available to us as Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just in me. So I was going to serve for sure. But in the early 80s, there was only so much reading you could do on special operations and SEALs in general, because you had to go to the library, you had to put in the effort, you had to do the research, you had to pull the book off the shelf or find the newspaper article or the magazine article, and then go through it for maybe the one sentence mentioned on SEALs, mm-hmm. the one paragraph on special operations, typically in about Vietnam at that time. Uh, so after I exhausted the library on that, then about fifth grade, I started reading the same books my parents were reading. So books by Tom Clancy and Nelson DeMille and David Morrell and A.J. Quinnell and J.C. Pollock and Mark Olden and all these guys who had protagonists with backgrounds I wanted in real life because I thought, look at these authors. Look, David Morrell, he created Rambo. Well, he probably did some research for this book, The Brotherhood of the Rose, about special operations and the CIA that uh, I can incorporate into my foundation as I move forward here in my desire to serve and be a SEAL. So I was reading these books and there's just this magic about them. And I knew that one day after my time in the military, I would write these kind of novels. But what I was really doing, although I didn't know it, was giving myself an early education in the art of storytelling. Yeah. So the study of warfare, reading these books, and then the practical application of warfare in Afghanistan and Iraq all kind of came together at the right time and place as I was leaving the military. And the terminal list is the result. And uh, you held up the first one, but this one is a new cover. I saw. Yeah, so it turned. they turned this one into this one with Chris Pratt on the cover. And I wrote a new foreword in this where I talk about how the movie came or how the series came to be, how the book came to be. And then they, uh, I'll give you an exclusive right here. Uh, there are some exclusive photos from the set and uh, that are only in the book. And so here's one of them. So, oh, my here. gosh, this is awesome. I'm so excited about this. And yeah, for those of you listening, you got it. So this yeah. is just for you. That's awesome. He he just showed an awesome. You got to get the book because he showed a really cool picture of Chris Pratt, like all decked out, getting ready to rock as James Reese talking to my friend Jack Carr, <clears throat> whose latest book in the blood in the Terminalist series. Well, the James Reese series. Terminalist is the first book. <clears throat> Excuse me. I when when I was reading about the announcement of this because Antoine Fuqua, I love his work. Um, I've seen a lot of the stuff that he did. I think one of my favorites was Magnificent Seven because Denzel Washington is one of my favorite actors of all time. And I just thought that was so well done. And when I heard that Fuqua was doing this series, I got really excited because that to me, it just means that it's going to be very artfully done, cinematically beautiful. 
and real and raw because that's what this series is. And what I like about your series, and I want to dive into this a little bit because it's not just, I mean, In the Blood is the latest, but with with James Reese, he's, you know, kind of a, a lone ranger, so to speak. Um, he's settling scores in a way that I think a lot of people, when they go through something as tragic as he has done, uh, not just with, I don't want to give too much away, but with family and then with, you know, obviously his platoon, um, you wish that you could settle scores in a way that James Reese does. And I wanted to, to to talk with, did you ever, how far did you want to go with this character and how far did you want to go in showing the reality of your experience and then how, and then what Reese could do? I didn't really realize, I thought I was just going to write a good story. I thought that with all the reading that I'd done and my experience that I would be able to do that. And that's what I owed the reader who's trusting me with their time that they're never going to get back is I have to do the best possible job. That product has to be the best it can possibly be. I started writing that first one. It became clear from the first sentence, not from the outline, not from the one page executive summary, not from the title. But when I actually started typing that first chapter, that this was going to be a much more personal writing experience than I thought at the outset. I thought, okay, I'll get the sniper weapon stuff right. You know, if I don't know something about a weapon system, I know who to call uh, to make sure that I get those things right. But I didn't realize just how much emotion and feeling I would be bringing in from events downrange. So let's say my character gets ambushed in Los Angeles, California. Well, I go back and remember what it was like to be ambushed in Baghdad, Iraq in 2006. And I take those feelings and emotions yeah. and then I apply them to a fictional narrative. You feel it. Oh, thank you. I, I think was reading it. I mean, when I started reading this, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, I kind of knew you were a badass anyway. For people who don't know, like we've I've done some training with you. And I mean, you go into that range mode. So we, we know we all knew you were a badass anyway. But in reading this and all of these situations that he finds himself in and then this sense of betrayal which gets me to some of the things that maybe aren't aren't so much the mechanics of battle, but the reality of the system and the system in which you have to operate. You don't pull any punches in a very honest assessment through the eyes of, of Reese. Um, some people have kind of criticized it. I like the honest reality of it. And I know a lot of people have been like, you know what, it is like that. And I like that he didn't try to hide it to sell books. Talk to me a little bit about that. Were you afraid in the very beginning to be that honest about it? No, I was. Uh, I didn't know how else to be. I don't know any other way to be. So, uh, so it's just me. Um, but I did think a couple times about. You know, everybody always goes back to the Michael Jordan quote about, "Hey, Republicans and Democrats buy shoes." Um, and I, maybe that was true when he was selling his shoes. I mean, he still sells a ton of shoes. But uh, maybe that was true when he was building that foundation back in the day. But when you're talking about something that is so personal, I mean, it's not a shoe. Shoes are great, but this is not a shoe. Uh, and when you're doing something that's so personal, that's more art, whether it's a painting or a sculpture or a book. Uh, and you're putting so much of yourself into it, uh, people want to really know, is this you? Is this authentic? Is this real? Especially today, because they, they couldn't find out in 1985. Yeah. Uh, they just uh, guess. But today they can because they can engage with you on social channels. They can listen to us on radio. They can watch us on a podcast or whatever it, it might be. And they can really get to know the person that they're supporting. Yeah, with their dollars, but also with their time. Right. Um, so there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more connection than there was back in the 80s or even the 90s. So that's really uh, a very important point. I was kind of wondering about it, but I wasn't afraid of it because I just don't know how else to be. And uh, I guess luckily people do uh, that, that authenticity and that honesty resonates with people today. Day, right, uh, more so than it would have maybe in the past yeah. because they couldn't check it. Because we, because you have questions about military preparedness, you have questions about 
Yeah, you know, you hear about diversity and DEI stuff. And I mean, there are these, I mean, we've talked about them before on this broadcast. I mean, it's happening in the military and it's been going on for quite a long time. We're just really now seeing the full breadth of it. Uh, Talking with my friend Jack Carr, whose latest book, In the Blood, uh, in the Jack Reese series. And of course, you got to watch the premiere of The Terminal List brought to life starring Chris Pratt, directed by Antoine Fuqua on Amazon Prime, July 1st. You also have Taylor Kitsch in this, Riley Keough, Elvis's granddaughters, I'm sorry. I know she's she's like a powerful actress in her own right, but that was like really cool for me to see. Yeah, she just got a huge award in another project uh, in Europe, and she's just fantastic in this role. Everybody was so great, and everyone was so normal. That's the other thing. People look at Hollywood, and they think everyone's all crazy, um, but everyone was so normal. The stars were normal, right. and then the 350 other people that are making it happen on set, just good Americans. So one of my takeaways from set was that, hey, when someone sees an actor get up in uh, the Academy Awards and say something that might not resonate with uh, the middle of the country, uh, that might be a little little out there and people say, I'm never gonna watch their movie again. Uh, I think it's important to remember that there are 350 other people that right. we're working at. And these are people that came up to me in uh, Video Village where I'm watching the show and I'm listening and I'm making my notes as we're filming and they'd stop by and they'd wanna talk about land cruisers. They wanna talk about guns. They wanna talk about knives. They wanna talk about hunting. They want to talk about motorcycles and uh, and they were just um, just normal people that want to do the best job they possibly can. And on a production like this, they are the best. Uh, that's why they're there. Uh, and they're all so good at their specific job. Um, but they're also just good people who want to put food on the table for their family and have a great life. I love um, that. Uh, and so we have to remember that when we see a star go a little bit off the rails. They're humans too. Yeah, that there's other people that are helping this along. And, you know, by boycotting somebody's movie, you're also kind of hurting these other people that are. Yeah, I agree uh, just, with that. And if and if they're good actors and if the art is good, I'm like, I, I like good stories. And and I feel like we've had an absence of really good stories on the screen. And so this is one of the reasons I'm so excited about this. I, I wanted to get, Jack, your thoughts, too, because I know that you've spoken about this. And this is also you're an expert of many things. I have to point this out to if people didn't know it already. The you know, the incidents that we've been seeing, like Uvalde, which we just saw an unlocked door. Thankfully, in Alabama, there was uh, such an incident like this that could have been an atrocity, but it was stopped by a locked door and responsive police. There are there's a lot of hesitancy in in D.C. to, for whatever reason, uh, harden schools to add more layers of school security. I don't know why that's not a focus. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, because this is your wheelhouse. And I think that people like you know this better than anybody else. Well, it just seems like applying common sense. And, and uh, what Carl uh, von Clausewitz said was most important, uh, he wrote on war, mm-hmm. most important you know, battlefield leader was common sense. It wasn't anything else, wasn't re- it wasn't all these other things. It was common sense and applying that to the problem set. So if we look at this problem set and let's just take off, let's just say that the debate about things, Second Amendment concerns, let's just put that over here and think that it, okay, we'll let that get debated elsewhere. What can we do right now? What should we have been doing the last 20 years, 25 years, if we go back to, to Columbine and we see our most precious and softest targets uh, out there and we continue to leave them as a soft target year after year after year and take no action other than maybe a security monitor here or there. Yet the same people that are calling to take away our guns are surrounded by people carrying guns. And what do they have? Access points into these courthouses, into the into the Capitol buildings, into state houses. They have access points. They have, uh, they have metal detectors. They have things like that. So there are all sorts of layers of security that you can put in place. And I think that people just don't 
understand the problem set and don't want to apply common sense to it. They want to politicize it right away. But what that's doing is just leaving our, our softest targets, our most precious resource, our children, uh, un, uh, undefended and yeah. leaving them as a soft target out there, putting up a sign that says no guns, no drugs on campus. That doesn't cut it. And we've, it's, it, that, that we've proven that time and time again. Mm -hmm. What can we do? There are so many things. Just look at what's already out there. Look at what they would do to the president's kids if he had someone. Yeah, in look there. at that school in Alabama. I mean, that worked. That guy was on the premises like two minutes before uh, a cop was on him. And that guy went for the cop's gun and cop dropped him. Yeah, and the resources. I mean, we put a man on the moon in 1969. We just had 100 billion for COVID relief, of which I think 90% wasn't even spent. Uh, what can we do? Oh, we can look at a courthouse and we can apply that model exactly. to our schools. We can do this. This is America. We can do it. We did it after 9-11 with TSA and our airports and we can do that. We need to do that to our schools and that we haven't is, uh, I mean, it's criminal that we have not. I agree. And that's a great, that's, I co completely agree. Jack Carr, latest book, In the Blood, July 1st. I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be watching the series of this yeah. starting on Amazon Prime with Chris <laughs> Pratt. And uh, Jack Carr, thank you so much, not just for your service, but for writing an engaging story that doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter if you've if you haven't served and you maybe have only spent, you know, like a couple times a year at the range, a character that puts you in it that you can identify with. And you are so good at writing what you know. We are right there with you. And we feel like we are just as expert in this as you are. That is a talent. So congratulations, my friend, on the bestseller. Thanks so much for join, joining me. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Take care out there. Take care. From scrape knees to heartbreaks, dad was always there to comfort you. Return the favor with a gift of true comfort. Brand new Tommy John underwear. Dads agree when you wear Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. And because Tommy John moves with you and keeps you cool thanks to their breathable lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands, that's why Tommy John doesn't have customers, they have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, dads everywhere love Tommy John underwear. And while you're giving dad the gift of comfort, don't forget yourself. Grab a Tommy John cool cotton bra or bralette to stay cool all summer long. I love wearing my Tommy John joggers because of how soft they are. You should get Tommy John too. Plus there's no risk because everything's covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. This Father's Day shop TommyJohn.com slash Dana for up to $30 off site-wide plus free shipping. Now through June 15th, get up to $30 off site-wide plus Plus, free shipping at TommyJohn.com slash Dana. TommyJohn.com slash Dana. See site for details. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Okay, so Britney Spears got married yesterday. And also, two people got rescued from a chocolate tank, apparently, at an M&M plant. This is what I'm reading, and I just lost my story. Uh, so this was NBC at the Mars Wrigley plant. This is some Willy Wonka stuff. I don't know if his name's Augustus Galoop. I don't know. Two workers in Pennsylvania where the candies made, they got they fell in a talk a chocolate tank. They were pulled from a vat of dried chocolate. The maker of the M&M Snickers Twix, blah blah blah, said that they were the employees were being evaluated. They said yes, they were taken off site for further evaluation. Nobody knows if they were injured or not. But that is some Willy Wonka stuff, though, wouldn't it? Is there, I mean, was it hot, like boiling hot? Because that's one thing. If not, then, I mean, is it that bad? I mean, you know, I'm just wondering. Just, you know, asking. Uh, breast milk banks are struggling to meet the demand as baby formula shortage has sparked an increase in orders. 
Milk banks did not see national baby formula shortage coming, and other organizations reported similar problems. It usually gets... They, they, they have special storage for it and all kinds of stuff, but they said it's sent out in sealed bottles, and uh, it's... I mean, a lot of people are having to turn to that because of the formula. This is a sad story. Daily Caller. Five Marines killed after a military aircraft crashed in the California desert. Uh, the aircraft was an MV-22B Osprey, according to CBS. The Marine Corps posted on Twitter updates about after the crash, confirming the Osprey belonged to the 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing. Uh, and the account placed the incident around 1225 Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and they said it was near Glamis, California. So our prayers are with them. That's, that's, that's awful. Uh, to have something like that happen. Uh, let's see. In addition, there is apparently a mystery dent in the Earth's magnetic field that is set to vanish in 300 years. I don't know. They said it's the magnetic field which, which shields the planet's atmosphere from the dangers of space. It's getting weaker. And a South Atlantic anomaly located in the South Atlantic off the coast of South America, which this, this anomaly was discovered in 1958. They say it's far weaker than at comparable, uh, comparable latitudes. Scientists know this due to the impact on satellites. More radiation gets through at an area where Earth's magnetic field is weaker. And that, caused tech, that causes technical issues for spacecraft. They said that they suspect the overall shield has gotten weaker by 10% over the last 180 years, and it could lead to magnetic polarity reversal. North and South, swapping places, that's like terrifying. So when the Proud Boys went back down the hill to the peace circle, did a larger crowd start together? Well, no. First of all, we went round to the back and down the steps, and we took some photographs on the east side of the Capitol, uh, and then we went for lunch. We went for tacos. Well, did you guys watch yesterday? Because I didn't. I had stuff I had to do. I had stuff I had to read. What about you guys? I tried. Did you? You did not. Did you try to watch it? I tried several times. Kane, why do you hate yourself? Uh, well, it's not about hating myself. Yes, it I was is. Just curious as to what clown show, how the level of clown show it would be. It's like the equivalent of taking one of those whips and beating yourself, isn't it? I mean, I think so. Welcome to the show. It's it's Friday. It's the I don't know what. Normally, I like to come up with a, it's a whatever version of the show. I don't know what this version of the show is. It's the Day after that ridiculous, I think that they thought they were really being cute. We're going to break it all down. DanaLash.com. Sign up for that newsletter chapter and verse. Good to be with you. Someone asked, did you send out like a recap? No, I didn't send out a recap because it's stupid. I'm not going to watch this damn thing and then write about it and send you a recap. No. I'll trip. I had to triple the cost of the newsletter. No, I'm kidding. No, I would. But. I'm not going to, I didn't. I, I will say this. I did look on Twitter a couple, because I, you know why I don't take it seriously? Because they don't take it seriously. The fact that they keep going, oh, it was an insurrection. It was a coup. When you use language like that, you're not taking this seriously. It's, it's ridiculous. When you use language like that, you're not taking it seriously. You are, you're, and when you don't nominate, when you don't put anyone on this committee, who is a Republican and you you only pick like, you know, the two moderate fruitcakes that you got that they have the two. one. I mean, then that's this is can I just show you can I I'm going to need the law and order stinger every single time I play something from this, whatever it is, because there was, ladies and gents, 
there was some very revealing bombshell. They promoted this like this was a bombshell. So they had the, so first up, they had the uh, Proud Boys, something, some guy from there. He was British. And he was all very like this, you know, with his language and the way he spoke. He was very soft-spoken. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was apparently supposed to be a giant bombshell. (gasps) Listen to this audio. It's the taco one. So when the Proud Boys went back down the hill to the peace circle, did a larger crowd start together? Well, no, first of all, we went round to the back and down the steps and we took some photographs on the east side of the Capitol uh, and then we went for lunch. As one we does. went for tacos. See, we went for tacos. You know, we did as, as one does. We went. Did he say tacos or tuckers? Tacos. He's British. I'm not really sure what he said. He said tacos. Yeah. He, I mean, you can play that one part again. We can all vote on it. But I'm pretty sure like you don't eat tuckers. You just but you do eat tacos lunch we went for tacos tacos you're tacos. probably right yeah, yeah. tacos we're like tacos steak, <laughs> that steak place bib and tuckers no that's a hamburger place i don't even know what that is well there's one in soulard but that's not okay that's not that. there okay anyway that's not even the point we're, we're both like mm, steak so that was not, that was bombshell bombshell information guys so you're telling me that you went for tacos. Yes, that's correct. We were a bit hungry. And I was feeling a bit peckish. Needed to go get a taco. A taco? Mm? How many tacos did you have? As like, it's representation of, well, insurrectionists eat four tacos apiece. I mean, I don't know. Was there a halftime show? Exclusive. Was there a halftime show? I don't know. Yeah. I was just wondering. I saw like a meme that said Miley Cyrus was playing the halftime show. No, they, it, it, it was so dumb. All I know is that I kept it on Fox. I didn't even, I wasn't even watching Fox. I just kept it on because the media was so mad that Fox didn't take it. They were so, this guy's name is Nick Quested. He's a filmmaker. No, I don't know. We popped around. We were feeling all a bit peckish and we popped up back to get some tacos. They were so mad at Fox because Fox didn't carry this. They were livid. The media was so mad. They couldn't get over it. They were so mad. Big time mad. They're like, well, Fox doesn't take this seriously because they're involved. It was so over the top ridiculous. I can't deal. Oh, my gosh. So that was just... That was one big bombshell. Wasn't there like some of the other? Hang on. We pull, there's so much stuff I want to make fun of today. I just really kind of want to make fun of the whole thing. I don't think they're going to have any more prime time, though. I will say that because this was the first one. And I think the only one that they're going to have prime time. Now, I don't I don't know why. I, I, I'm not quite sure why that handles out that way. But that's just the way that it is. So they they were. Listen to this. This is this is audio soundbite eight. This is Liz Cheney, and she is really pulling her weight on this. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob 
assembled the mob like a and lit the flame of this attack. He went out and he cast a spell. And then he leveled up afterwards and got a whole new array of skills. And he added to his skill tree because he pushed forth and summoned the protesters. <laughs> you know, I often, whenever I invite people into my dwelling, I also call it an invasion. I don't know about you, but I do. Thanks for invading my home. Have a great night. Thank you so much for inviting us. And that, that's, you know, invite, invasion, same thing, right? <sighs> I mean, we saw all these videos where people were wait. They were literally waving them in. Come on. And they were like talking and, you know. I, I did notice that no one showed the video of when they shot Ashley Babbitt in the face. Just saying. Now, look, and I'm going to say this one time because I don't play this game. Yes, the people who commit violence or who damage property, screw those people. I don't. That's my house because I pay taxes. It's government theft, but we call it taxes. So that's my house, too. I don't like it. I mean, if you were at my house doing that stuff you'd be dropped, but I'm just saying, I don't like when people break stuff in my house and that's my house too. But let's not act like there weren't cops there going, come on in, come this way. <laughs> There's like video of them doing it. And then there was a, there, who was this? I saved this tweet, but they deleted it and I didn't get a screenshot, but there was a lawmaker. They ended up deleting it because the video that they showed, there were just like these random people standing around with their flags and they were, everybody's videotaping each other. It was, and they did, they stood in this like rotunda and it was like a minute 30 of that. And I'm, I'm looking at it like, okay, well, what? See, it's evidence of trespass. Oh, my gosh. This is what they did the whole, the whole night. The whole night. They could have addressed a million things, but they didn't do it. They could have talked about, oh, I don't know, uh, inflation. Could have talked about. High gas price. They could have had a hearing about the abuse of the FISA court, but see, that's their party, so. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. You know, if Biden were from Florida, we could play a speech right now, but I don't feel like hearing gaslighting. So, in the meantime, uh, I had a couple uh, here that I was going to re pull this up. Dun, 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 dun. This is from Miami Herald. The headline, don't make me use this, Florida man stabbed in a fight over a breakfast treat. Two roommates fought over a popular breakfast treat in Central Florida early Monday, and one ended up behind bars. Okay, what was the treat? They don't tell you. Oh, wait, no, it was a toaster strudel. They were arguing over who ate somebody's toaster strudel. And... I can't deal with this. <laughs> so ridiculous. The victim told the deputy that uh, Griffin Crystal slapped the phone out of his hand first and then used pepper spray. And then when the victim was washing the pepper spray off his face, the 21-year-old then lodged him from behind with a metal pot and then pulled out a pocket knife. He called him a bee and a criminal and then said, don't make me use this on you. I'm going to stab you. He has a deep gash on his hand and forearm, he said. And the other... the antagonist is being held on sixty six thousand five hundred dollar bond and 
a third roommate witnessed the fight and said, yeah, he's right. <laughs> so, and it was all over a toaster strudel. Okay, they are delicious. Let me just add. Okay, was it your last toaster strudel? And did he eat the one that you had previously? And so they, this one you had dibsies on? Are they stabby delicious though? I mean, I don't know. How hungry are you? Is it the one with the cream cheese in it? I'm not, I'm not advocating really stabbing, but I'm just saying toaster strudels are good. I mean, I'm sure they have all kinds of bad stuff and GMOs, which make them tasty. But they're, you know, just saying. Um, a Trump-hating Florida man was banned from a pool after calling a Biden-hating Florida woman a fat slob. <laughs> what? They, they, it's, they, they, okay, it's the villages. It is. Sorry. I was like, doesn't say the villages, but it's the villages. So apparently, uh, a 74-year-old man who has been at the Villages for a long time, he likes to paint his golf carts with signs that blame Trump for everything and rebelliously cruise the sleepy streets of his community. Um, he says things like, Biden kicks Trump's fat A-double snakes. Uh, Trump is a pathological liar, etc. And everything kind of like f- went down in the pool in the village of Hadley. He found a woman wearing a T-shirt that was critical of Biden. He called her a fat slob, told her to take off her clothes, called her white trash, and said that pool training was of limited value for her height. And so he ended up getting kicked out of the pool, and so he sits outside of it with his signs apparently now. Man. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A man is arrested for trying to kill Justice Brett Kavanaugh. San Francisco voters recall their pro-crime district attorney, and the World Bank says the economy is going to be bad for the rest of the decade. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day for conservatives, and hopefully a lot of laughs too. Join us, follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.